0: So, some of what I wanted to offer tonight, I mean, I have a couple of reasons for it. Um, Some of it has to do with just an exploration I've done of what goes on at the first stage of awakening, and trying to get a handle on that, so that you know, what can be working in the direction of at least that in this lifetime. Uh, And there's a lot to it, and certainly not going to get into all of it tonight, but one of the uh, things that gets uprooted at that level is um, attachment, what's called sila vata paramasa It's a attachment to rites, rituals, precepts and practices. And there's a lot in, that's a mouthful, has to do with how you understand sila, how you understand dana, how you understand uh, the meditation practice. And it's that in particular, since that's our theme this week, that um, you know just heightens my awareness. Um, how how do we understand the meditation practice? Because what this uh, particular uh, fetter really is getting at is a, is a a way of holding things with um, uh, ideas, concept, preconceived notions about what something is, and then yet persisting and practicing in that way, even if that's not exactly what the practice is, you know. And I think, I certainly, I mean, this is not coming from uh, anything other than what I've seen myself do and what I've seen other people do as I've talked to them through the years, you know. So, um, and and I'm not saying we're going to arrive at uh, a place by the end of this week where we completely get it, or understand what the practice is getting at. But I think we can move in that direction, or at least raise the question in our minds as practitioners, do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> and why? <laughs> you know, and where it's leading? And, and to look at some of the, the pitfalls uh, in that whole process. So that was part of it. And then uh, the other part of it is just really over the years having to deal with uh, my own um, hurdles and jumping through hoops in practice and having to, uh, and talking to a lot of people about theirs. You know, people report, uh, consistently, certain kinds of difficulties. And um, what I've seen through the years is that, um, and I think I mentioned this before, that across the board, there's no question in my mind that those quote-unquote difficulties, I'm having trouble in my practice, that kind of stuff, is coming from this first thing more than anything else there's something you don't we don't understand some way that we're holding it or conceiving or perceiving practice that just needs to be tweaked you know so like this so tonight what I wanted to offer is some tweaking <laughs> some, some ways to tweak our understanding and you may or may not see yourself in any of this stuff uh, some of it I suspect you will some of it maybe not but um, these are these are some common ways that um, we can um, uh, distort or hold the practice incorrectly. And uh, hopefully um, there, there'll be something useful uh, here for you. Uh, so the first, and it's just kind of a smorgasbord. There's not, isn't, this isn't coming from a body of teachings or anything like that. It's coming from the practice experiences of myself and other people. Um, so the first one that came to mind is that um, there is a, a, a tendency to put... Too much emphasis on, or to see practice as a technology that one is uh, endeavoring to master. You know that, and 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 this is understandable in some ways because of the way it gets taught, and for, for several different reasons. But it, it, it ends up having the effect of sort of that missing the forest for the the trees kind of things. And this is why I began last night just. Uh, trying to pan back and say, okay, there's this, there is this Satipatthana sutta, there are these four foundations of mindfulness, and let's just try to get a, a, a good um, working understanding of what that sutta is getting at. You know? and, and so that if you, can, if you can hold it in this broad way, you know, you're, you're more likely to, or less likely to get caught in the, these kind of narrow uh, perspectives about what it's about. So there, there are methods. And we're not saying that there are techniques in in practice, and and um, and there's what those techniques and methods are uh, endeavoring to get us to, or to help us to see. And um, the Silavata Paramasa has to do with really mist- mistaking the tools for the things that they're designed to help you with, you know. And so, uh, we want to be on the lookout for this tendency to... uh, Because if you do this, then you get very good at handling the tools. And then then that's about it. And so, how this would play out, for example, is like, you know, just looking at mindfulness of of the breathing. And this, I mean, uh, it has to be said that most of us, and i just come to this in hindsight, really, most of us came to meditation practice through, um, you know, weekend or ten-day retreats or something like that, nine or ten-day retreats. And the way that um, the meditation is taught is um, they pretty much focus on mindfulness of the in and out-breath. Now you've seen the Satipatthana Sutta now, and, and many of you have seen it before this. That, that part of the Sutta represents the first few sentences of like a fourteen-page teaching, you know, and and yet um, it ends up being that's what meditation is. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to get good at watching the breath. You know that that's that's the the technique I'm trying to develop, and I'm not saying and I don't mean this as an indictment. You know, it's 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 understandable, but it it comes through as that, and so um, for a very long time one can um, spend a lot of energy just trying to uh, sustain uh, mindfulness of the in and out breathing. And I'm not saying this is wrong, but it never... It, it's, it's just that it's not seen in the context of the bigger picture. The the breath is one object. You know, there there are many objects in meditation. In fact, in the uh, uh, Vasudhi Magha, later on there's like some 40 objects for meditation where they pull in ones from all different suttas, you know. But at least in this one, there's, there's many other objects, as you've seen. So, you know, uh, we're, we're not trying to get good at watching the breath. You know, basically, what you, what you become then is a good breath watcher. You know, and, and really, if you just see the dynamic that's going on, what it's about is, um, it, it's much more the training about, uh, like what I was describing last night, where you're, you go off, You come to, you regroup, and how you hold that moment, and the coming back. You know, it's much more about all of that. So that the training part of it is not continuous, perpetual uh, awareness of the in and out breath. Unless you do an Anapanasati, and it's for very specific reasons, it's not really about that. It's about um, cultivating awareness cultivating a sense of ease, relaxation, cultivating kindness in the heart, <laughs> cultivating equanimity, the non-judging, you know, all those, those um, things that come through um, in the meditation instruction, you know? Relax. Pay attention. If you wander, don't judge, don't criticize. Be kind. <laughs> Hold that moment like that, yeah? So that, like, like, we really have to understand that—that's the training, you know. And uh, th- this might be oversimplistic, but I, I certainly did it. I suspect you've done it as well. Uh, and, and just really recognizing that the object is incidental. It's about ease. It's about awareness. It's about how we hold whatever it is that—that's uh, arising. And so just, here's something to to consider, how um, that is even happening, how we end up putting so much um, emphasis on techniques. Uh, And this is, I touched on this a little earlier today in class, where, um, you know, the, the tendency to see life through this filter of a sense of self. Uh, it, it's not real, it's a view. It's a way of seeing things. You know, there's not not really a self in, in there. but uh, it's a that vantage point is in there, rock solid <laughs> until we see it and until we begin to overcome it, you know, and so that everything gets filtered, uh, seen through it and received through it. you know. And so we have to know that um, for many years in practice, until that, um, incorrect view is eradicated from the mind that that 's going to be active and and that it 's going to be part of our meditation it 's going to be a player in the meditation so a, a lot of this sense of getting uh, you know having to become skilled at the technique that 's a lot of self view you know that 's the way it operates you know i 'm on top of it i 'm in control I know what to do I can take care of things. You know, and, and, uh, and get very frustrated and angry when it can't. You know, so this is a, where the setup for a lot of the frustration in practice. So, you know, there's, there's this um, in, in incredible uh, tendency uh, in, in the mind, and uh, one can be very, very uh, driven uh, in the early years of practice because it's all being directed um, through this sense of self and And fortunately, I mean uh, w- what i 've come to see you know uh, through the years really is is to to recognize that that 's not a bad thing and it, and it really couldn 't be any other way, so it might as well be that way. We might as well find a way to uh, be okay with it because uh, it 's there, and that 's how we operate, and that 's how we 're going to uh, pick this thing up um, but uh, we, we just want to um, Uh, recognize it and in a way um, I'd even go so far as to say use it (laughs) you know self-view is an incredible taskmaster Mm -hmm. you know it'll get the job done (laughs) it won't be very wise and it won't go very deep and and eventually so it it gets dropped you know but uh, at least in the short term um, it can it can really um, get the job done and I, I don't know about you, but I look back on my early years of practice, and I can remember a conversation I was having when I first went to teach at IMS, and I was talking with a couple of the senior teachers there, and we were musing about the things that we did in the early years of our practice, you know <laughs> And uh, I mean, you know, eighteen hours of sitting a day, you know, one meal, sleeping on a board, no pillow. You know, I, I actually went through this process at one point where I really thought it was the bed that was the reason why I was so tired, you know, or, or wanted to stay, wanted to sleep more. And so I, I just took the mattress off and slept on the board and put a wool blanket on it at that so that it was itchy. So I, I mean, I I, I, so I wouldn't want to stay in bed, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that's the way, and just sit and walk and sit and walk and sit and walk and sit and walk. And, and this driven, you know, I've got to do this, I'm going to nail this, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do it right and I'm going to be on top of it, and I'm going to get free, and I'm going to wear white for the rest of my life, and I'm going to walk a few feet above the ground. You know, that, that was the attitude in it all, and, and that, that's how it got picked up through the mind. So talk- we we're, were sharing stories like this, a couple of the teachers and myself, and, and then at one point I said, how in the heck did we practice like that cuz i think about it now and i don't, i couldn't do that now you know and uh, and one of them goes well i know we were, we were neurotic as hell <laughs> and that's what was driving it you know that that you, it all gets picked up through these uh, immature perspectives and notions and views and i think he's right you know very neurotic so uh, you know, you, you have this idea of uh, just trying to get somewhere, achieve something, uh, trying to become something that we're not. I mean, guilty. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Well, we've all done it, you know, we know what this is like. So we have to know that we're doing this, and, and not really <laughs> make, make it a problem, and trust The the practice that over the months and years of practice, um, that gets whittled away because it's useless. (laughs) It it doesn't serve any purpose. Over time, it gets seen through, and um, practice gets more direct and and more real. And so, this sense of self does uh, die a slow death. But too often, I've seen people trying to see this sense of self head on, and trying to knock it out, you know, head on. And that's just not how it happens. At least that's, a, that's not my experience. Maybe you can talk about it. But it, it, I, I, my, I, my sense is that the this sense of self, um, it, it, it kind of gets diluted and then eventually diminished and uprooted. Um, it's sort of like in the back door. <laughs> it's sort of like a side effect of practice. But we have to know that for some time uh, that's going to be a player in it, and and just relax. You know, let it let it let it be the taskmaster that it is, uh, and trust that we'll see through it uh, as time uh, goes on in practice. So that's one thing. There, there can just be this tendency to put a lot of emphasis on methods. Know you're going to do that, and um, begin and begin the process of alerted to it, of seeing through it. And there can be a, a tendency to put too much emphasis on the formal practice. And again, I think this is because a lot of us come to it through formal practice. You know, we come to it through formal retreats, um, and 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 that's okay. And I'm not again, it's not not, not saying it's bad. But I can remember when I was um, uh, the resident teacher at IMS, and there was a, a fella on staff who um, just really would fly into rages. And, and he could. Uh, come at you you know he could get so mad Uh, and um, he had a particular trouble with one of he was a cook and he had trouble with one of the other cooks and every time (coughs) they lock horns you know he'd throw up some whatever he has in his hand his ladle or the gruel stick or something you know and and just uh, say I can't stand this I'm getting out of here I want to go sit I'm going to go sit and he'd go up to the sitting area for the staff and um and chill basically and, and okay, fair enough that's, um, that can be a very skillful approach you know. remember when we talked about the removal of distracting thought one of the things that the Buddha recommends is that you, you take your attention off what it is and put it on something else and, and that's a very <coughs> important um, technique uh, to use when the uh, situation calls for that but in talking to him, as I would do, he's talking about his practice, um, it was very clear to me that that's not what he was doing. <laughs> you know, He was um, using formal practice as a way to not deal, to not uh, cope, to not look at what was coming up in his mind. Um, and, and really thought that that was the, the, what you're supposed to do. You know, but, you, you know, we've looked at the foundations of mindfulness now, and this is not consistent with the third foundation of mindfulness. You know, you, you want to do, when, you, when that kind of thing ha- happens, you, you want to find a way to hang in there with it. <laughs> you know, to, to see it, and to feel it, and to open to it. And uh, not, uh, by all means, not to use concentration particularly as a way to get away from it. Uh, you know, you, you can see a lot of it. I don't, don't see it that much, but I find that a lot of people, um, often some people get very skilled at absorption. And, um, you know, my, my experience with it has been that the ones who uh, often are most skilled at absorption are the ones who are in the most pain, and they've learned how to get under it. By um, it's kind of like a spiritual bypass, emotional bypass. You know, just get get into that absorbed state, and you will not have to feel anything. You know, that's that's and and so, you know. And I've seen a lot of this through the years, and that's what, in my sense, that this fellow was doing. We tried to work with it through the through the years that he was there, to, to just to to see that a that he was doing it, and um, to to recognize that that this is this is not correct practice. You know, it. it 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 may uh, save you from killing somebody sometimes, so you want to do that. But it, it's uh, in the long run, no. This is not what we're trying to get at. So you know, there's the, the the sense of putting too much emphasis on the formal. But there's something magical that's going to happen if you can do that. If you just go sit, you know. Or another way that I've seen this is that. You know, and this still goes on. Sometimes I'll ask people how their practice is going. How's your practice going, you know? And, and they'll answer it in terms of um, the sitting, or in terms of whether they've been on retreat, you know? Uh, and, and, oh, the practice has gone all to hell, I'm not sitting at all, you know? And, and then I'll say, well, yeah, but how's your practice going, <laughs> you know? So you're not sitting, but, but how's your practice going? You know, it's not. It's not in that. You know, it really um, it often met with a little bit of shock. What do you mean? That's that is my practice. No, that's not your practice. <laughs> that's only the formal aspects of it. That's the structures that we give to it to train. You know, uh, the practice is much bigger than that. Much much broader than that. And, and so, you know, you may not be guilty of these kinds of misunderstandings, but I think at some point or another, we all have done this kind of thing, or some variation uh, on the theme. And the way the way we have to understand it is that with formal practice, you, you've got, it's like this luxury, really, of, of having a period of time every day, uh, periods of time intermittently throughout the year, maybe even months, and years at a time, so occasionally, if we're really fortunate to, just to, to set aside some time to, to really um, uh, approach the training aspects of all, of them, of all this really, uh, I'm going to sit I'm going to train this mind you know uh, to train it in um, awareness train it in uh, relaxation train it in kindness and non-judging, and and I'm going to uh, you know do that um, for the specified period of time. So it's like running scales, you know, and and uh, uh, we just happen to be uh, very fortunate to have the understanding uh, that we need to do that and the lifestyles that make it uh, it possible for us to do that. But if in any way we're holding that in a in a way that says that something magical happens just because you, may, you put in time on the cushion, you know, ain't, ain't going to happen. It, it's, not, it's not like that. Yeah, so it seems to me that the, the Buddha was really quite clear on, on this. And uh, I, I think of, uh, like to think of meditation and the whole Satipatthana Sutta as a um, 24-7 kind of thing. And it's right to me. It's right there in that first section on mindfulness of the body, where he says um, to be aware in the four postures, and to be aware in all the activities throughout the course of the day. And you know, if if you're like me, I mean, the first time that I heard that, and and only seeing it through the lens of formal practice, then it, it became like you know the. Now I got my standing practice, I got my walking practice, I got my sitting practice and I got my lying down practice. And and, and these are all formal things that I've got to do. And then when it gets to now you got to pay attention while you're eating and while you're getting dressed and while you're Uh, going to the loo and you know getting up and going to bed and and it starts you you can feel this burden you know it's like oh oh, oh, man this is getting intense I got to I got to do all this you know I've got to pay attention all I can't even I can't even go to the toilet in peace you know I've got to pay attention I've got to notice what's going on in all of this you know it gets it could feel it could feel like this huge burden you know but we have to understand it. It's not like, you know, me and it. I've got to pay attention and all this. It's uh, hold it much more softly and openly. It's about cultivating these qualities and doing it in the context of everything. So, yeah, there's no, there's, uh, nothing has changed, really, from what goes on in the sitting. It's the same thing. Just relax, pay attention, <coughs> try to be kind, try not to hate things. You know? That's what it comes down to, all day long, all day long. And not only is that not a burden, it's a huge relief <laughs> if we, get, when we can just remember to relate to life in this uh, uh, broader way. So yes, we have the formal practice, and there is the formal sitting, there are formal retreats, and this is important, you certainly don't want to diminish this. Uh, but um, we have to understand that the, the point in, in, in practice is just to uh, uh, become, to realize that it's not what goes on in these formal structures that it's about. It's about what happens when you get up off the cushion. <laughs> you know, and how you live the rest of your life. How, how do we uh, apply ourselves? Just, uh, are we able to live with greater skill and understanding, with less craving, less <coughs> hatred? Uh, Things like this, less suffering. So, and here's another thing I've noticed: um, uh, there can be a, a, a tendency to to miss the changes that are taking place, uh, and really want to be sure to put this on your radar. You know, to 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 really notice, and it just. We don't seem to have too much trouble noticing the garbage, you know, and letting that register and smacking ourselves around for it, you know. But we really do need to be able to uh, give equal time to um, seeing the very uh, fortunate and skillful changes that are taking place and develop that habit of seeing uh, those in in the same way. And so one of them uh, is... Uh, diminishing the tendency to wander all over the place. The monkey mind, you know, it's the first thing you see, the first day you meditate, the first time you sit down. And uh, actually the Tibetans say it's the first insight of insight meditation, mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing the mind as a waterfall, they say, they say blah, blah, blah. you know, everything's just gushing out. and. Um, you, we want to be able to, to see that, but notice that um, through the years of practice that you're definitely able to sit with things more, definitely able to uh, relax more, and the mind is getting um, uh, uh, more centered, more focused. You know, Even if just a little bit. You know, we aren't expending a tremendous amount of energy following everything that comes into the mind and into the body. You know, that, that, that um, uh, relentless, obsessive way of being in life that doesn't have any options about what to, where to go and what to do. You know, we're, we're changing and we're exercising those options <coughs> gradually, uh, slowly, through the, the months and years of practice. And so much more here, uh, much more vitality. Or maybe just a little more, (laughs) but that's good enough, you know. And and, um, also practice is is bringing, um, because of the training that we're doing, it's bringing a lot uh, more kindness into the heart. It's bringing a lot less a tendency to judge and criticize self and others. And uh, I would say that if if in any way you're sitting here hearing me say these things and and thinking, no, no, it's not, I don't see it, Um, I I would submit that you're not looking. You're not looking, you're not seeing it, because you're not looking. You haven't developed the habit of seeing it, because there's no way that you've been practicing as long as you've been practicing and uh, you're not experiencing these changes. And, uh, I mean, I, I tend to be, a, have a greedy mind, and so I like pleasure. Uh, but this is one of the pleasures that you really do want to soak in, <laughs> you know. So you see it, it's like, well that was nice of me, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 oh, that was good. I, I let them have the cupcake. Well oh, that was great, you know, that happened, that, that arose here. Yeah, you know, or it wasn't hateful. It was relaxing. I was relaxed. These have to be taken in. And granted, as self view, if self view is still alive, it might get a little exalted, but that's okay. That'll go away over time, too. <laughs> and then uh, an, another big change that's happening that we can miss is this um, movement in the mind from. Uh, sort of like a content orientation, a goal orientation, an outcome orientation, this Western cultural conditioning, right? Dominant, I mean, come on, we're all products of it. Uh, like it or not, we've got a lot of that in there. Uh, but to a, a process orientation. And this is, um, we can miss this because it's not, not very um, familiar, uh, at least in the early years of practice. <laughs> So, uh, just look and, and, and see um, the attitudes with which you're approaching life. You know, if it isn't a, a, just even a little bit more uh, present-time oriented. Yeah? I can remember when Ram Dass came out with that book, Be Here Now. Remember that years ago in the 70s? Mm-hmm. and uh, Even then, before, it was before Buddhist practice for me, I remember looking at that title and said, Wow, <laughs> what a revolutionary idea, <laughs> be here now. You know, because my mode was get somewhere soon, you know. <laughs> it's it, it just, just that, that driven, you know, next thing, next thing, that neurotic as hell kind of driven uh, way of being with life. And, and so, you know, we have to know this, that culturally we, we tend to be a few steps ahead of ourselves. Always kind of leaning. It's it's a uh, outcome of the, the greedy mind, but it's also very much a cultural conditioning. So um, we can approach uh, meditation with the same kind of orientation, where we're trying to get to uh, get to a better state. And this is especially true, I think, when uh, it, you know after even just a few months of meditation, you begin to see how chaotic and unruly and confused the mind can be. So, you know, the early years of meditation are not good news. You know, you, we, we, you wake up, you, I mean, you knew it was bad, that's why you came to meditation. But now you really see how very bad it is. It's a, it's a mess in there, you know. Uh, and so, you know, we're trying to uh, get ourselves to a better state, you know. and. And, and, and granted, again, that, that, can't, that uh, you, you can feel quite justified in that approach and, and there's something to it, you know, but isn't that what we're trying to do? Aren't we trying to get to a better state? Aren't we trying to, to get someplace better than, than where we are? So, but the, the, the outcome of something like that is that if, if you're not uh, getting calm, if you're not realizing those states, then... Uh, the, the tendency is uh, to think you 're not doing it right you 've got to try harder you 've got to work harder you 've got to smack yourself smack ourselves around and make ourselves and put our nose to the grindstone and nail this thing that kind of thing so it, the, the the difficulty is with this is that it just doesn 't work <laughs> it doesn 't work these kinds of approaches don 't work and um, and it goes against the the grain of what uh, meditation is trying to teach us. So g- gradually, I think what happens is we begin to see, of necessity, that it's better um, to just relax. It's better to find a way, to, to, whether it's a slow inhale and exhale a gazillion times a day, or whatever it takes, to, j- just to um, relax around things that are difficult, especially if they're difficult. That it, 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 it seems like uh, our earlier conditioning drives yeah. right at the point where um, we need to soften, right? And so just to be uh, to be aware of this and recognize that um, the the unawakened mind is, is kind of given to issuing directives. I don't know if you've seen this, but you know, I remember a number of years ago my Dhamma buddy and I were really on this. we talked about it for months, you know, seeing what uh, Ajahn Sumedho would call it, the tyrannical patriarch inside. And I, I called it the tyrant. It was like that, that voice, which maybe not everybody has, but I've certainly had it, and a lot of people i talk to have, that is um, never satisfied. You're never doing it right It's never You, you know you, 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 uh, Something's off uh, You're not doing enough You're not doing it good enough uh, No matter what you do And I would, we would notice it Like we'd talk about it We'd notice it like say When we lay to bed at night And there you are You're getting all comfy You've got your duvet And you're all comfortable And you're ready to have some nice Relaxation and peace You know And up pops this you didn't do that today, and you didn't go here, and you didn't do this, and remember you were gonna, and all this kind of, this review of the day that can go on, you know, and, and you're supposed to drift off into a peaceful sleep with this whip cracker going on, you know, and then it, it can often pick up first thing in the morning. You know, you're just you're not you're not awake a few seconds. And we would laugh. You know, we just say, get off my back. You know, go away. <laughs> no, I'm not going to listen to this. You know, but but there is this uh, driver, this whipcracker in there, and it's some of our conditioning. And as I said, not everybody has it, but uh, a lot of us do. And uh, um, you, you really uh, come to see over the years of practice that um, it, it's a totally, utterly useless voice and not to mention painful but that as a, as a, as a mechanism for change this mind just does, absolutely does not respond favorably to those kinds of directives. It will cower, it will turn away, it will do everything it can to, to not uh, comply when it's uh, treated like that, when it's smacked around like that. But, uh, I don't know about you, but it, it, it took me years to see that, you know, to realize that, that, uh, that um, presents as a voice that is, is on my side. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not. <laughs> You know these kinds of voices are not on your side. They don't help. They don't bring about any reasonable or favorable results. You know we have to get into what what brings about change. So this this is part of this goal orientation, this outcome orientation. You should be there. You should be this. You should do that. You know, and this this has to die. <laughs> it has to it has to weaken and uh, eventually die. Because the whole um, mechanism (coughs) for change that the Buddha is laying out here, and that uh, that I think is true, is a a process orientation. You have to get in there and feel and know uh, what uh, a given uh, pattern um, feels like, what it does. And uh, uh, learn from that direct knowledge, that direct experience, if that's uh, something that you want to keep doing. It's not coming out of uh, demands and our ability to comply with those demands. And so you just want to relax and and learn to let this these surface layers of the mind uh, just um, settle down and And eventually, over time, you settle into a, a much more equanimous uh, posture in relation to the, the moods the mind states the, the the things that might on one level be problematic, but so the the uh, change happens. It's just that the strategies are very different. Yeah, and and it I don't know takes takes a while to understand that I think. And so one one more maybe. Um, this one's this one's uh, uh, hopefully very useful. I have found it useful. Um, there can be a tendency for many years in practice to um, e- evaluate how the practice is going using uh, totally useless and incorrect measures for that <laughs> over and over over and again. So just just consider this: if you've ever um, gotten up. From a sitting, and sort of with the smug feeling that the the sitting went very well, (laughs) you know, because yeah, I was able to um, focus on the breath and stay with it and do that in an uninterrupted way for the major part of the sitting, you know. Or conversely, if you've ever gotten up from a sitting um, thinking that it didn't go well. Because your mind was very restless and agitated the whole time, yeah. Yeah. Then this is what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> These are
0: incorrect measures, <laughs> useless uh, measures. Yeah. I could. I could remember um, just in, in the also in the early early years of practice, just hanging out at IMS and walking around month after month and uh, sitting and walking in practice and. Uh, There were times when I would walk through the dining hall and just I was quite confident that anybody who saw me would know that I was really one heck of a meditator. (laughs) You know, just gliding through and looking so attentive and so mindful and uh, so present to it all. It was amazing. I didn't know I was doing it until one day when I got back um, to my room and I closed the door behind me, and I went, Ugh. <laughs> and I saw that, I caught that, and I went, whoa, whoa, what have you been doing? You know, Who have you been practicing for? And, and you, 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 get to, yeah, you get to see that you're, you're walking around looking the part. You? I, can, I can look like a really good meditator and somebody will come in the room and say, oh wow, look out, she's in the zone, you know? But maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah, it's, it's all about what's actually going on within that, That uh, that is the, is the measure. So, you know, you can't trust these kinds of superficial evaluations, you know, because you know this is true, because it's very possible. You can sit perfectly still for an hour, and really look it. And the whole time you've been thinking about what you're going to cook for dinner, or where you're going to go, or you know, planning your Mexican vacation, or whatever. You know, it's just, uh, you know, one fellow uh, a few months back I was talking to, said he said he's, he's like 70, and he said he's been meditating for 15 years. And, and he, it, he finally um, realized that really he's been sitting there thinking about things. I said, really, that's what he's been doing. <laughs> I said, I said, he said, isn't that awful? And I said, no, that's great, only 15 years? You know, <laughs> you do, that's great. <laughs> you know, A-plus, you're a great meditator, if you caught it that soon, mm-hmm. you know. So, or, or you, you can, um, maybe we're able to uh, keep coming to the, back to the breath. You know, that, this is that handling the tools, getting good at handling the tools. You can keep coming back to the breath, keep coming back to the breath, keep uh-huh. coming back to the breath, and uh, the, the the whole practice is that kind of regrouping. But you never notice what took you off. You never never see what you grabbed hold of that took you away. Never contemplate the grasping the aggregates. Never contemplate the hindrances. Never contemplate what's going on with the sixth sense basis, yeah? All this stuff we talked about today. There's a lot more to it than, you know. So, so if, you, if you're thinking that it's about being good, with being good at being with the breath, then it's not the right measure. Or, you know, you can watch every um, inhale and exhale and, and fail to contemplate the impermanent suffering or selfless nature of it all. You know, this is what it's about. So you know, the, the, the Satipatthana Sutta can be picked up as a technology and held uh, in that way, you know, way beyond the point uh, where um, that makes sense. You know, At least initially that might be the reasonable thing to do. But eventually we've got to really start to meditate, start to work with the whole of the sutta. And, and Ajahn Chah would say, just do it. He'd say this all the time, just do it. <laughs> and I like that. You know, stop getting caught, waylaid with all these uh, evaluations and considering um, how it's going. To take, uh, th- these are often just the inroad to a lot of doubt and confusion. Just, just keep applying ourselves and doing the best that we can, trying to understand, study and practice, study and practice. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it'll go well. So it's not that you never evaluate how it's going. That's, I don't want them to say that. Because uh, I would say uh, you, you can trust your evaluations if you can say this. If you can, um, you know, get a, look at a sitting where the mind was very, very still and very, very quiet. And uh, also look at a sitting where the mind was very restless and agitated. And you sat through it and uh, tried to understand it and could, could look at the evaluate your capacity to meditate based on how you handled both of those, not on the condition that arose in your practice, right? It's not, it's, it's not about um, having a quiet mind per se. It's more about um, finding a quiet within the storm. <laughs> you know, it, it's, we get oriented towards uh, it, it's. It's about the chatter stopping. It's about the mind not having anything going on within it. Maybe eventually. And I don't know. I don't know what the mind of a Buddha is like. You know, but uh, I, I think it's an it's a, a faulty expectation to hold it in that way. It, if you can understand it as a, a establishing ourselves uh, within what's happening, no matter what's happening, we're, we're just willing to uh, see it, to meet it, to greet it, to hold it with uh, ease and um, kindness, then, yeah, that's a good... Then, then you, you're, you can trust your evaluations. You know, so it's, it's much more about, to, uh, to me, are, are you getting more present to life? If you can see that happening, that's a good evaluation. Uh, are you getting less reactive, less compulsive, less impulsive? <laughs> that, that's a good evaluation. Oh, are you are more likely to catch it if you are that way? And, and hold those uh, skillfully? That's good. Are you, are you more likely to pause before you act, before you speak? <laughs> these kinds of things like like so many of you are talking about in the opening circle uh, more able to, to feel delight at happy events <laughs> to ride the wave of pleasant feelings this, this is this is not bad there is pleasure there is pain you know so, oh, this is great and then it's over you know if pleasure held within the context of a Nietzsche is fine there's nothing to nothing to be done it's one life is great sometimes it's less, less greedy, less hateful less deluded, all of these Ajahn Chah puts it the best and I keep coming back to this uh, which I'm sure you've heard many times as have I but uh, I hear it anew every time it's a great explanation of the meditation practice Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become still in all surroundings. Like a clear forest pool, all kind of wonderful, rare animals will come to drink at the pool. (laughs) I love that. And you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things. Come and go, come and go. But you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha, he says. It's all right there, isn't it? You will be still. So let's, let's just sit for a minute.